What's new, listeners? I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you want to root for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we'll be diving into the rom-com While You Were Sleeping, starring Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. And joining me for that discussion is Ryan from the podcast Millennial Coffee Break. He's already been on here before with his co-host Josh to discuss Collateral. Now he's returning for the While You Were Sleeping episode. Say hello, Ryan. Hey guys, glad to be back on. Um, true, just true nature of what, how much I love this podcast, how much I love this movie. Uh, I was kind of overjoyed when Arthur mentioned coming on for this one because this is a guilty pleasure movie I've had for quite a while that I didn't know too many people my age or I guess our age, Arthur, uh, knew about. It just it's it's like it's '90s rom coms to the extreme, and I love. I just love it. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming on here. Again, again, very glad to have you back. And I was glad to hear that you are that you're such a huge uh, fan of the movie because I gotta say, I actually really do love it as well. This was something that I saw, that I first saw earlier this year. I think maybe it was around January, February, March, maybe sometime around that period. And I saw it on Disney+. Plus. And I just really had a, a, a great time with it. Now, Obviously, it does have some, you know, issues when you really want to break it down. But, you know, we'll, we'll touch on that and the general thoughts and feelings. But overall, I really did have a great time watching this uh, back at the start of the year. And then going back, back into it for the rewatch, it was interesting, you know, doing that, being able to dive into it a bit more, knowing what, you know, knowing what already happens. And uh, before I get into the general thoughts and feelings, I will say that this is a, again, a rom-com, came out in like came out in 1995. It was directed by John Tedeltop, who has quite the quite filmography. He's got like Three Ninjas, Cool Runnings, the two, the two National Treasures movies, yeah. which, I mean, National Treasure, I mean, that is, you know, I love that. You know, that's a childhood favorite. That's, that's peak cinema right there. You know, National Treasure is peak cinema. Uh, John Tedeltop also directed The Kid with Bruce Willis. The Sorcerer's Offenses with Nicolas Cage, which I gotta say, I actually am quite fond of The Sorcerer's Offenses. Not a perfect movie, far from a perfect, perfect movie, but it's pretty fun, in my opinion. And he also directed The Meg, which is basically like Jaws. I haven't seen it, but it's basically like Jaws, but what if, like, a massive shark. And also Jason Statham is shown into the movie Ooh. as well. Oh, is that the one where he punches the shark? I don't know if Jason Statham punches it. I wouldn't be surprised, but I do, I do want to watch it sometime, though. Yeah, we need to add that to the list, man. Also funny that we're bringing Jason Station up now, considering that he was also part of our last podcast on Collateral. Full circle. Yes. Comes back full circle. Also, this, uh, the script for While You Were Sleeping was written by Daniel G. Sullivan and Frederick Deval. And interesting for them, because this is really like the only like big credit in their filmographies, which is interesting. But I feel like, you know, if you're going to have like only one screenwriting credit for like one big one, and your screenwriting, you know, credit resume. I feel like while you're sleeping, you know, that's a that's a pretty good one to have. Yeah, I feel like most people who write um, passively, aggressively, however you want to say it, if they're able to just have one successful film, I'd I'd be pretty happy if I got yes. like if I hit one film, yeah. that'd be incredible. And the budget for this was seventeen million dollars. Quite cheap, seventeen million. I mean, granted, it was the nineties, so obviously the money rates obviously were different back then, but still, seventeen million, quite cheap. And the box office was $182 million. Smash hit the box office. Okay, so it's now 
I've driven in the facts for the movie, but you can offer up your general thoughts and feelings on while you're sleeping. So like I said a little bit earlier, this is one of my go-to sick day, feel bad kind of blue movies because it's just a fun time. I You've joked about it as well, and I'll joke about it later on in the podcast as well. You don't want to think too much about this movie because when you start to think about the plot, you kind of start to wonder just about some of the morals in general around everyone. But other than that, it's just, I mean, it has the darling of the 90s. It has Bill Pullman. There's not much more you could really want from a 90s movie other than, you know, those two people together falling in love. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. As for me, I also have tons of love for while you're sleeping. I think... uh, I think that it is a very cuddly movie. That's a that's a, a word coming up with it, or like cozy, kind of like snuggly. I also really appreciate how it has just a Christmas feeling about it. Which, by the way, I should also note, like I I got to note earlier, this is uh, this is episode three of Christmas Month 2022 for Two Cents Critic, and I'm doing Christmas episodes as a theme for this whole month, and I picked and and while you're sleeping as part of this because it does take place. It does take place during the holiday. Not only that, but I feel like also even like the actual whole atmosphere, it's very Christmassy. It's not, it's very, it again like like you know cozy. I feel like it it belongs mm-hmm. you know yeah. with other movies like you know Elf, The Grinch, The Home Alone, Polar Express, all of those. And uh, it's it, it's fitting what you said earlier about it's like you know you know you can't really think too much about it, which you know obviously we'll we'll dive into, into that more deeply later. But the the stalkeriness that Santa Bullock's character, Lucy, ends up engaging in. It really can come off as creepy, but then it's also kind of like a weird thing where you kind of, you sympathize with her character because of like, because of how lonely she is. And it's very complex, very complicated. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to put it. I think really, the more you think about it, you try to make sure it doesn't come off too creepy. And I think if anyone other than her played it, so it's kind of be sort of a horror film, but since it's played so beautifully by her, it comes off more endearing and kind of like, oh, you feel like it's like yeah, a straight cat, kind of. I think for like her, her role in this is definitely crucial, like because she is just so damn charming, and, and, and in general, I just find her just you know be to be so damn adorable in the movies. You know, she, she's just yeah, she's really charismatic. I've also been doing first watches of a lot of her movies uh, this year, and. It, Hmm. Specifically, eight eight movies, and those eight movies of hers are While You Were Sleeping, Miss Congeniality, Good One, Speed, Good One, The Lost City, Ocean's Eight, Bullet Train, Ooh. The Lake House, and Jeanette. Oh, I need I need to watch Bullet Train. I really need to watch. It's on Netflix. One. It's on Netflix. I actually had a lot of fun with that. that. I know Josh loved it. Josh has been trying to get me to watch it. He tried to get me to go to theaters for it. And I just kind of ignored him because I, I ignore Josh every now and then. You know, I ignore him in the day. So I just need to, but I need to sit down and watch Bullet Train. Yeah, definitely highly recommend it. I do know people complain about the convoluted nature of the plot. So I, I you know, I'm, and, and even I'm like, you know, I realize maybe that's criticism. Personally, for, for me, I was actually okay with how the plot got all twisty and complex. Hmm. Okay, well, I need a shot then. I'll probably, tomorrow, tomorrow. I mean, yeah, I don't know, tomorrow. That's a little aggressive. I'd, I'd bake some cookies. I'll figure it out. I'll bet some time I will watch Bullet Train. Also, it is important to note that originally the screenwriter while he was sleeping had the story revolve around a man in, uh, in Lucy's position. And then it was a woman who ended up 
who, who, who he ended up trying to save. And then the man ends up getting involved with a woman's family. And yeah, and uh. let me tell you, apparently there were studio executives who were like, wait, this is kind of creepy. And one of them actually, apparently one of them was like, wait, it would be better if you just reversed the other roles. And then once that revision is made to the script, then, you know, it, it comes closer to what to the final product we have now. And I gotta say, if it was a man in Lucy's position, <laughs> not okay. Yeah. Not okay. And and also, I do think there's something uh, valuable about the way this movie does depict the family as well. It's the, Call- the, Call- the Callahan family. And just how, you know, just how warm-hearted they are. And how they end up embracing Lucy. Just and, and and you just want to be friends with them. They just they just seem like seem like such a kind family. It it contrasts with you know some of the other kind of like mean spirited, argumentative families or dysfunctional family dynamics you might see, in other movies and TV shows. And it's just so nice to watch the Callahans, you know, just again just be so benevolent here. I like the family a lot. I I think that's really where you get to come in the cozy feeling behind this pseudo christmas movie because as we've argued it does uh take place during christmas time one of the big components to the the part of the movie is her falling in love with the family uh during the holidays when she has literally no one um so you really uh, i I forget who plays the father um of 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 jack's character uh, i forget who the father is the actor's name yes i'm I'm a big fan of him i watched everybody loves raymond growing up so he kind of I, I loved him there. He plays just that snarky old man so well that he's really an enjoyable character. And it, yeah, he's just an enjoyable character. And I feel like the characters are down to earth and really relatable. And that's why you kind of fall in love with it. Um, I mean, cause this is kind of, you could argue a cookie cutter rom-com movie where, you know, boy meets girl, girl falls in love with, with boy. Um, but the way they kind of spice up that cookie, they throw in some chai, not chai, they throw in some cloves and ginger maybe a little bit of extra spices to the cookie and make it a little bit more enjoyable and have the ultimate Christmas cookie. That is this movie and this family, the family, the family sells the movie for me, not the, not the other oh, way around. Nice. That's a good way to put it. And I think now it's, uh, and now it's okay for us to present our windup scores for while you were sleeping. Now this is a score that can range from zero to a hundred. So Ryan, what is your windup score for while you were sleeping? Ooh, Hmm. Well, I, this is a guilty pleasure movie for me, but just because it's a guilty pleasure movie doesn't mean it's a perfect movie to me. Uh, I'd give this like a 73, 72. Um, I think it's passing. I think it's really good. It's a movie I'd, I'd go out of my way to watch at least once a year to just kind of enjoy the nostalgia of my childhood because this came out the year I was born. Um, so it's, you know, right on the cusp of being like the start of my life is the start of this movie. And I just, I'm a sucker for uh, Pullman and Bullock. So I, but it's not like, I'm not going to sit down. I can watch this movie twice in one week. And I think anything above a 75 is, I'd argue, something I could watch twice in a week. Or like I'd rewatch again and again and again. Um, so I think a 73, 72. All right, all right. Uh, hmm. As for me, I'm just, I'm just trying to think because, you know, I gotta admit, on my, on Letterbox, I did end up giving this on my, for my second watch of the movie, I did give this four and a half stars, four and a half out of five stars, which I will say, like, oh. it, not, not necessarily for the, it was, 
for the quality, but more of it was that was coming more out of my personal environment of the movie, just because I really did enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So I'm like trying to align the wind up score with that. I'm gonna, yeah. I feel, I feel kind of comfortable doing this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a eighty. 80, 83 out of 100. 82 out of 100. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I can see that. I mean, I could, I, I'm not going to argue with that. I think that's pretty close. I mean, we're in the same ballpark. Ten of yeah, not too bad. Again, I really, I really did have, you know, a good time with this. Again, for my second watch of the movie, because the first time I saw this, I gave this four stars on the box. And now second watch bumped up to, to four and a half stars. Just because, you know, I really did do have a good time with this. Although, again, it does have the issues of the kind of like the the, the stalkeriness and creepiness, which you know we've been bringing up, and you know that is important to note. But so you you got the the family chemistry, just like everyone, just everyone in the family just naturally meshes together, and you know credit to the actors for being able to achieve that. And these you know scenes where you're having the conversations of Amter and Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. You know, they're just great together. Bill Pullman, I, I should note that I, it's also nice nice to see him in the leading man roles. I feel like I'm used to seeing him more of the, in the supporting roles. So it's nice to see him, you know, be one of the lead roles and be able to watch him give off all of this, you know, just charisma. And and again, the, the, the Christmas atmosphere. It is, again, it's just something that I want to snuggle up in throughout this whole movie. Very snuggly movie. Very snuggly. Yep, so... 83 out of 100, my wind-up score. And now, we've given our wind-up scores for while you're sleeping. So, we can move on now to the plot breakdown. So, listeners, if you have seen the movie, you can keep on listening, stay here for the episode. Or, if you haven't seen it, for your favorite spoilers, you know, you can stay right here. Alright, so, when while you're sleeping opens up, it has, your, it has like your opening credits that show Chicago. Like the Wrigley Cup arena and all that, and Christmas time, and got everlasting love playing over the scene, and then we have this whole uh, flashback about the main character Lucy Eleanor Moderates and her dad. I-, I like how it does have like the the orange lighting for this flashback, and even Lucy ano- acknowledges it. She's like, I just don't remember it being this orange, and I like that little joke because it's not it's it's not a little joke. Kind of like being a little self-aware. Yeah, playing into it always yeah. really helps. I wasn't expecting it the first time I saw saw this, but when I came up, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's actually pretty pretty amusing, pretty smart." And Lucy has a pretty sad backstory because we get that she is very close. She was very close with her dad, and they have this whole thing about like like how her mom gave her dad like this globe as a gift, and they're trying to set up like you know kind of like the, the warmth in the family dynamic, and it's. Sad when you know when, when we learn that her dad has had passed away. We learn that later on her dad passed away, and she hasn't had anyone left to you know to be with as a family. And that and, and I feel like not even not even really friends because I feel like later on we do find out like find out there's a coworker with whom she's friends with, but I feel like they're not really that close. Like in terms of like close friends and family, Lucy is very alone. Mm-hmm. I took that away too from the very beginning. I think they do a beautiful job painting a picture of a woman who is alone. Of course, I mean she has the coworker she's friendly with, but I'd argue it's not a friend; yeah. it's more of a friendly coworker. There's a big difference there. Um, so you're just basically from the beginning, they're like, "Yeah, she's alone. She has 
really no one in her life. She has no interest in anyone else. No one has interest in her. Um, and then, you know, someone yes. enters the picture. And then after that flashback, we cut to the present where Lucy is a Chicago trans- transit authority topus operator who is crushing on Peter Callahan, who is played by Peter Gallagher. And Peter goes by the train station every day in the morning, and she ends up, and she again has this huge crush on him. Peter Gallagher, I also love how he's in the movie too. I feel like he, I feel like he does a good job at playing Peter, who I feel like ends up being kind of like a, a dope. <laughs> Honestly, like someone who's just kind of like, like he's just there, like he's just, he's part of the family, but he's just kind of like to do, you know. It's like, like we, we get to see that towards the end, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's so much him being a, a doof or just more of a, him going through a very traumatic experience. I mean, I I mean, they play with maybe him having him. Oh, I, I don't want to say that just yet. I'll, I'll wait. A little oh, bit interesting, interesting. Also, his eyebrows. Like, I got to comment on his eyebrows. Those are, you know, very noticeable eyebrows. Peter Gallagher. <laughs> I do also want to say that. I feel like, I feel like Lucy, it's set, it set up like this whole thing where Lucy is like, Oh, like you no one notices me. I'm just sitting in this whole booth alone, and again, you know, she's very isolated. But I feel like someone would notice her. Like, you know, she stand a bullet. You know, you know, she's so cute. She's so cute. Of course, someone would notice her. But I also feel like it's one of those cases where it's like, oh, you 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 pick someone, you you pick an, an actress who's so charming, and you're supposed to like put them in this role. Where it's like, oh, look at them, they're so alone, it's, you know, no one no one would ever dare to notice them. Almost like a Princess Diary sort of thing, like, you know, or like, you know, you need a makeup, you need a makeover in order to be attractive. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I think Sandra Bullock, I mean, she even before she was Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock, she was probably getting noticed no matter where she worked. Um, I didn't really thought about it that way. Um, but hey, I mean, maybe Peter was just kind of blind. And then we have a scene where Lucy is at a apartment building. And I like how she fails to pull this Christmas tree up to a window, and then when the old guy, and then the old guy downstairs, he yells out Lucy's name, and I'm like, wait, does that imply she's a troublemaker? If he is like immediately, like he sees because he sees a tree coming up past his window, and then it falls, so why did he immediately assume it was Lucy? Is it like because like had she done this before, or like generally caused trouble, caused the ruckus in the building? Hmm. And it's just like Lucy. I, I mean, maybe she is a little bit of a uh, maybe she is a scamp, a little little troublemaker. I could see I that. I mean, it. why not? It'd be kind I of fun. I mean, have a have. I mean, just, you could argue what she does is very rascally. Oh yeah. And then we also introduce the the super for the building, who is this old guy's son, and he's a super Joe Junior, who is played by uh, Michael Misfoli. Who people will you know probably know uh, know best from the Sopranos, and I feel like he is one of the few like unlikable parts of the of this rom com for me, because he's just like this this skeevy guy who is constantly annoying Lucy, and he is just like he, because he has a huge crush on her, and it's and throughout the movie he is just like constantly like you know asking her out, just bugging her, and. I feel like it's one of those, you know, tropey things you see in rom-coms. Not something I'm particularly into. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really know why he's in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's because we have a few scenes with him, uh, very short instances throughout the entire film with him. 
and he's just kind of one dimensional to me. Uh, he's just kind of there to make it show that she is desirable. Um, which I mean, I guess you have the whole first part of the movie where they're talking about how, Oh, I have no one. There's no one out there for me. And then it's like, boom, it was like, here's a man who wants you. Um, but that's, that's really how I took it about was he was just kind of a one dimension plot kind of in synthesizer. I was like, oh no, this is Sandra Bullock. People do want Sandra. Yeah, Bullock. and I feel like he he kind of presents an obstacle later on. Like I feel like in regards to Jack, you know, at, at take a go Pullman, and kind of like the interactions between Jack and VC. But again, one of those rom com tropes where you just you look at a certain character and you're just like, why is this character here? Like I get it, to here for like comedic relief, ostensibly, or to interfere with the romance. But it's like, why do you? It's just it's really cringy. <gasps> And also, they really go. They the movie really leans hard into the Italian stereotypes. Michelle Junior and his dad. <laughs> yeah, they really did. It was the nineties. Yeah, a almost time. like a like a Super Mario kind of voice. And then Lucy, and then Lucy, we cut to her. You know, outside, she's getting this hot dog, and then her and then she runs into a boss, who does something that I was like. Whoa! I don't like this. Where her boss is like, uh, her, her boss is like, oh hey, you know, you're employee, you know, you got the employee of the month award, and then he just follows that up with, hey, why don't you work on Christmas? It's oh. it's frustrating, but here's the thing: I also find it to be completely believable because his boss, who by the way is played by Jason Bernard, who is also the judge and liar liar, I I, I do think it's realistic. For people, to, for the bosses to be like, like, oh, you don't have a family, you know, you don't have people to spend Christmas with, so of course, you know, you're available on that day to to work for us. Yeah, it's super believable. It's I, I did think some of the bosses' dialogue and some of the side characters' dialogue uh, as we get further into this movie was kind of just like, where are you coming from? That's part of my argument where you can't think too much about it because they'll be like statement, and they'll be like. Like it's like a random statement of just small talk. And then it's like, follow it directly up with, we need to move the plot along. Here's an awkward question I'm going to ask you to move the plot along. I know. It's, it feels, it, especially later on towards the movie, where it feels like pretty much every interaction between Lucy and Jerry focuses on her on the shenanigans that she's getting herself wrapped up in. Like, hey, what's going on with Zach? What's going on with Peter? And even like a New Year's party later on in the movie. And then go back at the station where Lucy's working and Peter comes by and he's like, you know, he says, Merry Christmas to Lucy. And she's nervous, doesn't respond. And she's just like hating herself because she's like, and she's like, why didn't I say something to him? And then she witnesses two men mugging Peter and pushing him onto the, onto the rails. So Lucy has to jump down there and save him. I thought it was funny when she was like, oh, you smell good. Yeah, I didn't, that was that was funny, but also like it, it in a different lens. This movie's just kind of creepy, like because it's a little creepy to be in like moment. in that moment. Like her one take takeaway is, "Oh, you smell good." Oh, <laughs> oh, you smell good. If it was a man saying that to a woman again, that's... oh yeah, hundred percent be wrong. <gasps> I, yeah, imagine if if in you when Joe Goldberg goes down to the tracks to save to save Beck, if he had said some, if he had said something like. Like, oh, you smell good. You know, obviously, like, coming from Joe Goldberg, that would be so damn disturbing. <laughs> Granted, that's you, and obviously, you yourself is a thriller, so entirely different, like, genre and tone, but still, 
they both have stalker elements. They both involve people getting saved on the train tracks. And then Lucy ends up, you know, saving saving Peter. Close call though, that you know, roll over from the tracks to avoid the train. And then Lucy brings him to the hospital. And this is one of those rom-com moments where she wistfully says to herself, I was going to marry him. And was just like, and, and then the nearby nurse ends up hearing her and, and misinterpreting her. And it goes up into this whole thing where the nurse ends up telling the cop, the cop outside the hospital room, that Lucy is Peter's fiance. And, you know, it's a misunderstanding trope. I get that. But also, it, it does feel contrived where it's like, why would Lucy say that out loud? Yeah, no, um, you're spot on. It, there's a few parts where, like we discussed already, where it's just kind of like the worst possible thing someone could say, they say. And I think in this moment, she was like, after being intoxicated by a smell, um, she's just like, ah, oh, I was gonna, I was gonna marry him. And it's like, oh, time for us to rom-com this up. And then the Callahan family arrives at the hospital, they're finding that uh, Peter is comatose. And when they arrive, it just files into, into this whole misunderstanding with the family and the doctors who come in think Lucy is engaged to Peter. And also, one of the doctors is played by Dick Cusack, who, yes, is the patriarch of the Hollywood Cusacks. John and Joan Cusack. Nice little cameo there. And also, Peter, again, is in a coma. And I feel like, in this movie, it definitely treats that pretty lightly, because throughout the rest of the movie, we're watching the family get all, you know, get all friendly with Lucy and having her over to the house, you know, for dinner, and they're spending time with her, and it doesn't really feel like they're all that concerned about Peter. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, so I think in this scene, they also basically describe how they haven't talked yes. to him in a long time. They're like, oh, we didn't even know he had a fiancé. And they're, they're just like, oh, you're a lot cooler than our son. We're going to spend more time with I you. I almost wonder, if Peter, is Peter like a, a black sheep of the family, maybe? Yeah, I think he potentially is. Like, I think he's the black sheep uh, of the family. I mean, so then we get when, when Lucy talks to Wanda, and it's like, why do you say I'm his fiance? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm with her there. Like, you know, why did, why did, why did Wanda as a nurse have to say that? You know, there's a whole misunderstanding. And then, we, and then we also do have the whole mention of Ashley Blackfoot Bacon, who will become a you know, whole thing later on. We have, we have a mention of her. We also have a whole plot point comes in about Elsie, about the grandma, about how she has had heart problems in the past, and how it's like, oh, if you, if you reveal the truth, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's just gonna break her heart, literally. It's gonna, it's gonna kill her, so you have to hide, so you have to hide the details, and be like, oh no, you have to keep up the moves. Also, because, you know, you're gonna hurt the family as well if you tell the truth. And it's just like, why? And it's because it, it, it's Saul, Saul Tuttle, the Godfather, who was telling Lucy this later on. I don't know why he does that. Well, I know he does that to advance the plot of the film, but anyone who kind of just like emotionally manipulating someone you know, like he kind of does, I don't think he's a great person. Uh, I think his heart was in the right place, but I don't think his actions were in the right place. Yeah, that that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good way of putting it, yes. And then uh, Lucy goes back home and finds that Joe Jr. got him two tickets to Ice Capades. 
and she has enough wit, obviously, she's Jackson, and it's funny how he just has this, like, large energy about it, and just bragging about it, like, oh, you know, hey, look, Ice Capades, this is the hugest event of the season. I mean, Ice Capades are pretty cool, I mean, I always like, so that's when you skate, like, you skate on ice, like, ballet, right? Something like like that, I don't know, I don't, I think something like that, I don't know all the details, but something like that. I mean, you gotta respect his confidence. I mean, the man bought two tickets for being confident she was gonna go with him. I, I maybe not the game's the best, but I respect his confidence in his game. And then Lucy goes back to the hospital and talks to Peter. Has his whole monologue about you know just how isolated she she is and how much she yearns to find her soulmate. And she's like, "Do you believe in love at first sight?" And I love the quote, you know, sole possession of remote control is just very important. And this whole monologue, Saul Tuttle, you know, overhears her the last one he learns about this whole sham. And I'm just like, you know, it's kind of creepy, Lucy monologuing like this. And, but then it's like, you know, also kind of sympathetic. And you're just like, oh no, this is one of the most heart-wrenching scenes in the movie. And it just really makes you feel for her. And also, of course, credit to Sandra Bullock for, you know, pulling off the dialogue. I, I really do feel for her when she goes through this entire portion. Um, you get an idea more just how alone she truly is around the holidays. And being alone during the holidays is always the worst. Um, it's not really having anyone to talk to or have friends to discuss things with, or family to kind of give you a hug. It's it's real difficult this time of year for a lot of people out there. And you, she, she really hits home with what she's given on paper to really drive in that point. And then Lucy wakes up the next morning, realizing she's falling asleep in the hospital room. And then the Callahans arrive, and they're like, hey, you know, we never got to celebrate Christmas. So, hey, Lucy, why don't you join us? Oh, also, they're like, hey, you know, you haven't met Jack yet. You really need to meet Jack. That's Bill Pullman's character. Also, his, his family is in the estate furniture business. They buy furniture from dead people, which is a very specific career for the family to be in. Specifically, the dad and... Yeah, I wonder how they came up with that. Again, very specific. Like, very precise, very, like, had to be drawn in from, like, someone they knew, maybe, you know, family of their own, but just, like, rom-com, they're like, oh, yeah, we just we buy dead people furniture and upsell it. Yeah, it's like, and you're like, I feel like a more... Oh, you don't have, like, a, a Christmas tree farm or, or something? Or the more mundane alternative would be just, hey, you know, making furniture, or maybe owning a furniture store. But no, it's like, no, estate furniture. Yeah, 100%. <gasps> That's a... That Ox dad and Jack are involved in. Because Peter used to be involved in it, and the company used to be Callahan and Sons, but that now it's just Callahan and Son after Peter left it, go to law school. And then at the elevator, Lucy runs into Dawson Clark, who is a co-worker of Peter's, and this whole scene where he brings up something called a pencil accident, and he gets all worked up over it. And he's just like, yeah, you know, it's not my fault, you know? And, and then we, we don't hear the rest of the conversation. It gets cut off, but we learn about it, more about it later on. And then Lucy talks with her boss, Jerry, about this whole messy situation. And this is when she's like, you know, I can't tell the truth because then Elsie would have a heart attack. It's like, I don't know, like, are you exaggerating things a bit there? Or I don't know, like, again, maybe who knows? Like, again... If you can lie if you want to, but once the truth comes out, because it will, that could also, that could also Eventually, kill Elsie yeah. if you're so concerned about this. Yeah. The longer you keep the lie up, it's just going to make it harder and harder when they eventually <gasps> does come out. And then at home, Lucy eats some Oreos and looks at the Callahan business cards, and then she 
arrives at the Callahan house and shouts Saul out on the front porch. Saul takes being a godfather very seriously, that's what he says, and then Lucy talks about losing her parents and how her dad got sick a couple years ago, they moved to a whole different state so he could go to a research hospital, research being a term for very expensive, as they put it, and then her, decide, her dad decided, hey, you know, I've had enough of the research, and he just, he passed away. Just again, another, another devastating scene that also makes you realize her dad, he, she lost her dad recently, and she's still overcoming that, that sorrow, so painful, it's in her heart still. Uh, and then inside the house, Lucy is, you know, interacting with the family, and we learn about how Peter, like, you know, was saving the squirrels as a child, and they're passing around the gifts, and they even got the Christmas stocking for Lucy, made specifically for her. Really, really shows you, like, just how, like, warm-hearted this family is. And of course, there's a, there's a more pessimistic part of me that's like, okay, is it really realistic for them to act this way? But then the rest of me is just like, nah, you know, they're just that kind. Of course, they welcome her in. Yeah, no, they seem really kind. Even if they if they barely know her, they just know her to Beyonce and Peter. Because even a letterbox of you from an account by the name of Emma, and the review just says, they got a, a fucking Christmas stocking, guys. That's when you know you've made it in the family. Whenever like a family outside your own gets you a stocking, that's when you know you're like officially in it. And then we cut to Peter's office where Ashley is leaving a message from Lisbon, and this Ashley says, what the hell? What the hey? I will marry you. And just like, Okay, what's happening here? Why does it sound like Peter has been engaged to another woman? Kind of weird. Well, not kind of, like very weird. What, again, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> and then Jack comes home. We, we get introduced to him. You know, comes home at night while Lucy is sleeping in the living room. Then the next morning, Lucy is nervous while meeting Jack. And Jack is just, you know, up on the stairs. It's kind of like just standing there, being kind of like very ominous, just standing over her. Uh, and obviously it's because, like, he is, he, he's suspicious of her, right off the bat. He's just like, okay, what is Lucy doing here? I never met her. Apparently she's fiancé, but I don't know who she is. Even at church, Jack expresses some suspicion over Lucy, which Ox dismisses. I do love it at church when Elsie says, I prefer when they do it in Latin. It's nice when you can't understand what they're saying. And then she 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 gets like she she gets some you know quips like that in the movie, and also even at even at church she also says, "How did Joe Kelly get to be an actor? He takes marijuana." And then back to Lucy's apartment, she has Peter's wallet and a can of cat food, and she's like, "Oh, you know, Peter has a cat," so she goes outside, sneaks past Joe Junior as he's hammering at his car, and then Jack arrives at the apartment building and talks to Joe Junior and. Joe Jr. is just like, I own this place. And and Jack asks him about Lucy, and he's like, know her? I'm dating her. Well, that cringy energy, yes, exactly. Classic bad guy rom-com guy. Then Lucy arrives at Peter's fancy apartment, and then Jack gets there. Lucy hits him in the face with the door accidentally. Some of that physical hijinks, you know, classic for rom-com. And Turns out there really is a cat in the place, and so he's, Lucy's taking care of the cat. And, and then Jack keeps radiating mistrust against Lucy as they go downstairs, and you know, and she finds Peter's car with the car keys, although it's kind of like facing in the wrong direction, facing away from the car when she's beeping it. And then they head to the hospital to donate blood, and Jack gets up too fast without drinking the liquid, and he faints. And I do wonder if it's realistic 
blood hospital to be like, hey, you know, friends and family of the patient. Do you want to come in, donate some blood? I think it's a little bit possible. I can't say with certainty whether or not it's realistic, but it makes sense to me since your family most likely has the same blood type as you, if not a close really, at least mm-hmm. they should. Um, or I guess family is really who you make it up to be. Yeah. The people that are related to you um, should, are going to have similar blood to you. So I guess in dire situations, you I can, can ask that, your yeah. family to donate. I'm just curious because I feel like I, I haven't really heard about practice much. So I feel like, like oh, like, you know, is it really something that happens? I don't know. And then Jack keeps asking these questions and just like, hey, you know, when do you start dating? What's Peter's favorite stooge? You know, lots, lots of questions. And then he accuses her in front of the Callahan's of having an affair with Joe Jr. And Lucy ends up having to prove, quote unquote, that she is Peter's fiance by telling the story the Dalton Clark revealed about Peter having one testicle because of pencils in Dalton's back pocket during their basketball game. And the mom ends up having to take a peek under the blanket to confirm it. And I was just like, why? Yeah, wh- how did that happen? Did Peter fall on Dalton? Did Dalton's pencil fall out? Don't know. But just... Yeah, it's, it's it makes me hurt. Gruesome. It makes me hurt. <gasps> and as the Callahan's head in the elevator, LT says, well, look at the bright side. He's got more room in his jockey shorts. And now Joe Jr. Uh, barges into Lucy's apartment. We're back there. And he thinks he actually had a date. And he's like, why can't we have a date? Why didn't you come there? And then Saul has, shows up, so Lucy ends up having to just shove Joe Jr. in the closet. And he's like, hey, nice panties. Cringy. And then Saul is there, and he convinces Lucy that she needs to keep up this ruse because doing otherwise is just going to pain the family. And Saul is also like, hey, I don't want to know how you know the Tesco tale. And then after Saul leaves, Joe Jr. is found like trying on Lucy's shoe. And then he gets stuck in the closet while Jack shows up, and Lucy leaves with Jack. And it's not really a closet, it's not a closet that opens up from the inside, so I'm just like, okay, you know, how long was Joe Jr. just locked up in there? But, you know, who knows, maybe I found it to be an entertaining time, being among all of these clothes of Lucy's. Yeah, I guess try more clothes. I mean, he probably, I mean, with how weird he is, he probably enjoyed it. And then Jack drives them to Peter's place. And Lucy learns about Jack wanting to create furniture, you know, make some furniture, but he doesn't want to leave Callahan and son. And Lucy loves Jack, Jack's chair. Apparently, he's just really adept at the furniture-making business. But she gets a love seat, not, not the chair. So they have to haul it upstairs. And along the way, Jack tells the new doorman at the building that Lucy is Peter's fiancé. Inadvertently misleading people, more people into thinking that Lucy is fiancé. And then there's more physical hijinks where they struggle to get their love seats through the door of the apartment building, and Lucy accidentally shoves over his face that spills over this blue water on the floor, and they end up having to move the love seat on top of the stain. And I feel like maybe this is more like a 90s style, or maybe like, I don't know, earlier decades, because I feel like nowadays, I don't think, or at least, or at least I haven't seen many of these like colored water setups. I mean, I, I was like five or seven last time I saw one of them. So it was early 2000s, late 90s, last time I saw one. I mean, it was kind of like lava lamps. They're really big there back in, again in the 90s. Ooh, I haven't really seen lava, yeah, lava lamp lamps. You know, I, uh, my mom used to have one of those. I remember in one, it was like years and years ago. And it, it, I remember it being very entertaining to my little, you know, child brain. 
And then when, when they were turned downstairs to the moving van, Lucy and Jack find it stuck between the two cars. Oh no, because there's no space to leave. Because earlier on, Lucy did warn Jack to avoid talking so close to the car in front, but she was like, no, we gotta leave space behind it to unload the furniture. So now there's trapped between these cars, which it's always that's always bothersome. And so now, since the van will be stuck here, Jack is like, let's just walk you home. So they walk home. And she dreams of traveling to Florence, her passport has no stamps, and it just really has to make it clear to the audience, hey, Lucy has not traveled anywhere, she's been trapped in Chicago all her life, this is someone who needs more connections, because otherwise she'll just be alone her whole life. So sad, so sad. And it is sad, like, it gets me very depressed. This whole, and this whole walk also, like, it's really, it, it's so cold. Like, they're barely wearing any, like, proper window clothing, and not even a hat. Like, you lose so much heat through your head. Come on, and it's such a long walk. It's, it's also Chicago, too, in the winter, around Christmas time. I mean, that's the biting wind. cold, wind whipping. I mean, we're talking single digits, and they're just walking like there's nothing. And then right outside Lucy's building, they spend a couple minutes slipping and sliding under ice, which I think is very cheeky, but also pretty charming. Again, helps you got the two actors here. Coleman and Golick. And then inside, Joe Jr. really just, he, he's just so desperate, he's gonna pull out an ultimatum. And he's like, hey, come on, you wanna date me? Come on, all or nothing here. But it doesn't work out for him. Lucy turns him down once again. And then after that, there's a scene where Lucy tells the boss about having an affair and liking Jack. And the boss gets confused. Like, wait, who are we talking about? Jack or Peter? Kind of a funny scene, but also like, okay, again, why is it here? And the and the, and the boss is even like, Lucy, maybe you should just pull the plug. Yeah, that was, that was kind of confused me because I think early on in the movie, the boss is kind of like egging her on to do it, and then also yeah, like, like, okay, it's gone too far. Yeah, it's strange. And then we get up to the scene where Jack is playing seven card stud poker with Peter in a hospital. Jack is like, you know, when they were kids, apparently people were like, why can't you be more like your brother Peter? And Jack is like. You know, I haven't been envious of you until now. And the way that he says that line, until now, is just so ominous. And it's just like, whoa. And he's got some dark energy going on here, Bill Pullman. And even like, the look on his, the look on his face, the way he's looking at Peter with that look in his eyes, like he's preparing. His certain look in his eyes, where it looks like, he, he, he looks like he's in a mood to like, you know, Pour some desperate action where he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna do anything to get what I want." <laughs> I mean, it's even weirder when you think about the time span of this movie uh, between how long Lucy and Jack have known each other. Now, it's not very long. Like, it's, and this is literally he's like, "I want her. You don't deserve her because I want her." To his older brother's fiance that he's known maybe at most like they've had like four to five days of interaction not even a week of interaction he's like why do you get her why do you get everything i want her high card gets her honestly i was like wait is this maybe like two or three days maybe not even a week i don't know it was somewhere in that time span it could be yeah it could could be less than that like it's less than a week like at most it's a week it may be less than that which makes it even worse this is so strange. And then we have the dinner scene with the Callahans. Now this dinner scene, I just absolutely love it. Where 
Lucy and Jack are just sitting around the table with the family, and the conversation just manages to cover so many different subjects. So they're talking about tall actors, they're talking about John Wayne, Dustin Hoffman, Cesar Romero, Jack liking brunettes. It's a conversational chatter that bounces back and forth within his family with such ease and warmth. And credit to the actors for to, to make it all feel so organic. It's just so lovely. Yeah. They, they play off each other really well, and they feel very family-like. Um, and I think, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think most of the actors that play the family kind of, I don't say that's their role as a family role, but they play more of those family characters, either through past sitcoms, through past movies, or they work their way into those roles. Interesting. And that's why they were so effective. That's, that's, an, that's an interesting theory, but yeah, I can see that, I can see that working. It's like, yeah, being meshing into the roles, getting, being used to them, and so you're able to just, you know, get accommodated to the energy of your, of your roles. It's just really, really, it's just really, really entertaining. It's probably one of my most favorite scenes. In the, who knows, maybe, maybe it's my most favorite scene. Definitely in the running for that. And then, when Lucy and Jack leave, they are under the mistletoe, and the family pressures them to kiss. Which, I gotta say, is a cringy, a really cringy scene for me, because, because, yeah, it's, it's like weird. the family is just so just like, hey, you gotta kiss. We, you cannot leave this house. Otherwise, who knows? The world might shatter if you don't kiss. Like her fiance, to them, her fiance, his older brother, is in the hospital, and they're like, you know, it'd be crazy right now. If you guys French kissed right now, it'd be crazy. I mean, you guys should totally French kiss. No, no, we'll sit up for a peck on the cheek. Just kiss her, kiss her. And she's like, ah. And, and, and uh, honestly, in general, I feel like the mistletoe as a holiday tradition needs to fade away. And you know what? I feel like it has kind of, I haven't really seen many people like keep up the mistletoe tradition, but it's just a weird, it's just weird and uncomfortable if you think about it. I don't know. I don't care for the mistletoe, personally. And then the next day, Mary and her friend, again, Mary is uh, the sister, they visit Lucy at the train platform. And then Lucy's work friend is shocked by the news that Lucy is engaged. And and then his work friend asks if Lucy is pregnant. So, and she just says sarcastically, like, yes, I'm pregnant. Which then Mary's friend ends up overhearing. And I, again, this is just one of those misunderstanding moments. Like, again, it, it's, like, it's like earlier when Lucy had been like, oh, I was going to marry him. Again, she's doing this exact same thing where she's like, yes, I'm pregnant. It's just like, why would you say that? That's so contrived. And it ends up leading to some whole misunderstanding where the family ends up, it passes on, passes on to the family and they think that Lucy's pregnant. I mean, I think part of the charm of this movie <gasps> is moments like that. I think part of the part of the charm is those sarcastic kind of under your breath moments where you kind of mumble something that kind of deepen or move along the plot. It's just, it's very yeah, 90s. Yeah. I, I can get that, but... For me, it's something I cringe more at. Also, Mary being a young, uh, Mary is significantly younger than her sibling. I'm wondering very much about that. Why? Why the age difference there? You know. I mean, accidents happen. I suppose. Especially in a what? They're Catholic, right? So a Catholic family, Catholic, Catholic oh. accidents happen. And then Ashley uh, calls Peter's phone again. Then just like you know, popping in, and then. Mary announces that Lucy is pregnant, so, you know, misunderstanding there. And then at Lucy's building, Joe Jr. drops by and gives her this huge horseshoe wreath. 
and with white with these white flowers. And Joe Jr. is just like it's like they they give these at the winner's circle at Arlington. And he also says he knows how Lucy feels about Jack. And I guess he's trying to like relate to her through train stuff because he's like it's like seeing your first chance down. And she does warm up to him and gives and get and like gives him a hug, which Jack witnesses from the stairs below. But then Joe Jr. Rap ruins the mood by asking if Lucy is wearing a black bra. And he's like, I love black underwears. And it's just like, stop it with these lines, stop it. I just think that the Joe Jr. character is beautifully over the top. Yeah. Like every time we see him, he just has this utmost confidence. He's like, you know what? I got tickets. We're going. Then like she shoots him down. He's like, okay. Okay. What if I got her just a bunch of flowers? I don't, I don't know. What's true, Reese? And then Jack picks up Lucy, not letting uh, on initially that he saw Lucy and Joe Jr. And she does she does realize he's acting weird, though. She picks up on the weird vibes from him. And then they go to the New Year's Eve party, where Jerry is bewildered by the Peter Jack crap, and he keeps mixing them up. And eventually he's like, they have doctors for this kind of thing. And then Jack gets involved in the misunderstanding, because he, again, he thinks Lucy's pregnant, so when Lucy starts drinking, Jack is like, hey, you shouldn't consume these drinks, you're a baby. And I'm honestly surprised, because Lucy does like, tell him, hey, no, I'm not pregnant. But I'm kind of surprised this movie didn't commit to stretching the farce even further. You know, even like in, in, in a Frasier-esque fashion. Because you know on Frasier, this would have gone even farther. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, if it had gone farther, I think it would have been a, lot, a little bit more enjoyable. She's like, oh, yeah, I am, and it's yours. And he's like, what? Uh, no. You know, personally for me, in the movie, it wouldn't have worked. Although, Frasier, and, and Frasier, now, that is more fitting. I mean, there's some wild, wild shit that goes down in Frasier. Even, like, the first episode of season four of Frasier, I remember that episode, Daphne's ex-boyfriend who comes over, and then the whole shenanigans that spins out in that one night. Ugh, so many crazy episodes of Frasier. And then Lucy and Jack are walking outside. And then we have this whole exchange where Jack really focuses on the importance of leaning. And how, like, he was like, oh, you were leaning towards Joe Jr. And leaning, leaning is different from hugging. It, 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 it indicates wanting, desire. And even Joe Jr. points it out. Like, he's, at, he, he's there, and he's like, hey, you know, you, you were leaning. I've, I don't know if I believe in the whole lean yeah, thing because I mean, it's, it's actually if you're if you're on TikTok, there's a a guy on TikTok. I forget his name. I wish I could give his username. Uh, who does like pictures of celebrities? And he's like, here's the lean, the line test. I have it. Like, I'm not ready on TikTok. Have you heard of line test? So I, I don't know all the TikTok trends. Oh, I, I'm on it. I'm on TikTok way too much. Basically, the line test is whether or not like the guy is leaning into the girl. Like if he's like not if he's straight like if in the pictures if he's not leaning into her, then like interesting uh, not happening. Um, it's basically so it's, it's a real thing. Theory behind the line test. Um, I don't know if I believe that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's what this guy believes, and he's I think he's like eighty percent, seventy five percent accurate. Wow. It's pretty, which is pretty. Impressive. I don't I don't personally know if I believe in it, yeah. but you know, I'd be intrigued, you know, to learn more about it or like you know be presented with more evidence to see if it's true, you know. And then Lucy and Jack are arguing about their families. And Jack is like, hey, you know, Lucy and Peter, you're not the most obvious couple, you know, in the world. So, you know, I've got a reason to be suspicious. And she accuses him of not being 
contact and touch with his family. And then he asks her, like, hey, you know, would your dad really be happy knowing that you're sitting, sitting in a token booth, planning vacations you haven't taken? It's just like, God, what another way to just make us feel even sadder about Lucy's life. Yeah, I think this is kind of where Jack's character, or not uh, Bill Pullman, Jack, uh, I was going to say Jack's character, but you know what I mean. Interaction. He's kind of a poop head. Yeah. Just... Like, he's, got, he's kind of taking like, the nice guy approach to where like he doesn't get the girl. So he's like, well, then screw you. I'm not going to be nice to you anymore. Yep, he's getting grumpy. Definitely. Yeah, he's grumpy. He's a grumpy goose. Yeah. Grumpy, grumpy goose. And, and then Lucy follows that up by saying, but you have no idea what it's like to be alone. That's another line where it's just like, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of lines like that, you know, just movie hammering into our heads, Lucy's life. And then Peter is finally waking up. He is finally coming out of his coma. And he's looking around at, at his family. Just, you know, his, his whole family surrounds him. Yeah, he's back with them. But then also, Lucy is there. And I love how the camera passes by Lucy at first as like, he is swiveling around so you can see his family. But then the camera just swivels right back to Lucy. I thought that was actually a pretty funny trick for the cinematography to include. And Peter's like, who are you? Which is, you know, understandable. Like, of course he should be asking that. Yeah, I mean, it'd be weird if he didn't. And even, and even Saul, and Saul is there, and he's just like covering his eyes. He's just like, oh no, what's going to happen? Because, again, he knows about the whole jam. And Ox is the one who ends up being like, you know, Peter, you've got amnesia. At which point, Peter just falls asleep. Like, maybe more like fainting. Like, maybe because he's so shocked and it's just overwhelming him. And it has this whole thing where it's like, oh, you know, the doctor's like, oh no, Peter's got selective amnesia. So maybe he's just forgotten who Lucy is. Strangely enough, it's premise. It's like, like that's used a lot in movies and TV shows and so far for us. So it's just funny to see that get utilized here. I think amnesia is kind of a fun mechanic for for any movie because it's just kind of like you know how it is it's just it's just fun she's yeah, like oh they forgot uh, they'll they'll relearn they'll learn it back this is gonna be hard you can use it for comedies you can use it for dramas you can use it for romances you can use it for thrillers you know like memento i, I would say i feel like memento is one of the biggest examples of something that uses you know a form of amnesia or even like the vow to romance starring rachel mcadams and jenny no, tatum good. I like the bow. And then after this, Lucy does try to tell his family the truth. But when she says, she, she starts off, she was like, I was never. And then Elsie cuts her off and says, pregnant? And you're like, you're like, you know, we know Jack told us. But then it's like, damn it, you know, Lucy was trying to, she was mad about to tell the truth. And, you know, damn it, you cut her off. Although she... You know, she could have just kept going and just be like, "No, not pregnant. I'm not her. I'm not a fiance." But yeah, she, she yeah. took the out. She definitely took the out. And then even when she also she tries to tell the family again, but then Saul remember because Saul abandoned her. Saul, she was like, "Hey, Saul, back me up." But then Saul just abandoned her, and apparently like had to go to the bathroom or something like that. I don't know. Like he he just left her when she was gonna try to tell them. And Peter again during this visit, visit Peter still can't recognize her. And I like when Peter is like, do I like Jello? He's just so out of it. And honestly, I can understand, like, the more I think about his behavior, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe I act like this kind of, like, doofy behavior as well. If I'm like, oh, 
Lucy, here's your fiance. And I was just like, what? I don't have a fiance. I don't, I never met Lucy before. Or like, actually, because I don't think he remembers her then, right? Because it, well, how could he not remember her though? Because like, he, he passes her, he passes by her. Because he's always, he's always at the train station. Passes by every morning. I think he just doesn't notice her because she's so yeah. mundane is kind of what they're going for. Like he was, she, he, she wasn't even on his radar. Like you're like, Oh yeah, exactly. Like, like we were saying before, like that's what I was saying for It's like, Oh, no one notices her. And I was just like, still, of course people would notice her. Sandra Bullock, you know, she's, you know, she's so cute. I mean, come on, someone would be charmed by her. And, and then Jack drives Lucy home and she lets him know like, Hey, you know, you've been a good friend. And, Jenny tells her that he thinks she and Peter will make for a terrific couple and he's glad she won't be alone anymore. And then Jack comes home with some Dunkin' Donuts and talks with his dad, Ox, and Ox is, and Ox, you know, does this to talk when, they, when Jack's like, hey, you know, I don't want to be part of Callahan and Son anymore. You know, I gotta strike out on my own. I gotta make, I gotta, you know, make furniture. Lots of resentments. I can definitely feel in their relationship, especially in this scene. Where it's like, oh yeah, you've got some deep family crap to work out between the two of you, you know? The family dynamic in this movie, we have said time and time again, is fantastic. I think the overall interaction between uh, Bill Pullman and Peter Boyle um, with this whole you know, son talking to his father regarding how he wants to be on his own, step out on his own and kind of pursue his dream of what he does is very well done. Cause it's not like, yeah. I don't, it's emotional while not being emotional because it's like, it's like man, it's like man emotional. I know that sounds kind of sexist to say, but it's like in the nineties, there was like man emotion where it was just like two, just two, two guys eating some donuts, drinking some black coffee, being like, Hmm. Mm. kind of macho you know bringing out the muscles yeah the, a macho emotional moment is a, is a beautiful way to put it i feel like a great scene that doesn't encapsulate that is predator you got like oh yeah like, you've got the arms yes you, you just got the arms just clapping together yeah just arms just arms clapping and then back to the hospital peter is showing off all the personal facts that he that he can remember and honestly, again, I feel like maybe I'd be, I'd be this way too, because I'd be like, wait, I need to test on my, my memory here. I need to see how much I can remember. Is my, mem- is my memory intact? And then they have a talk between Saul and Peter, and Saul is called Peter a putz. Just really kind of like putting him down here and be like, hey, you know, you, you, need to, you, you need to be grateful for what you have. Because Saul is, gonna, Saul, Saul is supposed to come here in here and be like, hey, Lucy is not your fiance, and she and he does say that she's like Lucy isn't your fiance, she's your guardian angel. Just just the way he flips that topic, and it's just like ah, <gasps> why? And he, and he's also like you know if I were forty years younger I'd marry her myself if she converts. Yeah. Saul's an interesting character. Yeah, and I do feel like that also gets across the point what Peter being. Not, not really that close with the rest of the family because, like, you know, the way Saul is treating him. And again, being like, oh, you're a putz. And it's like, you know, that kind of attitude. And then Lucy returns to Peter's room and, you know, just like, you know, spending time with him. And, and Peter is like, you do remind me of someone. It's probably you. 
And then we cut to Ashley, who is heading to Peter's apartment building, but but the doorman won't let her enter because apparently, again, the doorman thinks Lucy is Beyonce, not Ashley. So now Ashley is coming into the picture. And then at the elevator, Peter and Jack is talking, and Peter reveals that apparently those squirrels that we, that we thought he had saved, apparently he knocked those squirrels out of their nest with a rock, and then Peter saved them. So I guess he's not quite the hero. We thought he was. Yeah, they're they're like so. Most movies have this habit of instead of letting two people like having a, a a good guy and then a great guy, instead of building one guy up more than the other guy, they'll make the other guy horrible. So this is kind of where we see the downfall of Peter. Um, where they're like, actually, Peter's not all that great. You know who's really great? Jack. And that's kind of what they do here. And I mean, I I kind of one movie that really gets me this way. It's on Netflix. It's the uh, potato skin book potato skin pie book club where like throughout like three-fourths of the movie four-fifths of this movie she's in love with two great guys and then at the last possible moment the other guy just like flips a switch and becomes evil and she's like oh well i guess i'll go with the good guy now i saw i mean just like a guy can be good for you but not be the right guy interesting you know what actually so the movie you're talking about is it the the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Is that the movie talking about? Yes, that that that, that, that is the movie. Yeah, okay. I was wondering, because I'm like, wait, potato potato book club movie? I think I have it on my letterbox watch list. And I was just double-checking, and I'm like, yep, that's the movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting movie. I watched it with my wife, and we loved it. And I just, at the very end, like, one of the guys, like, her original fiancé just became, like, a poop head um and the guy she then the other guy was like super incredible and just like ah, yeah so close to great i still want to watch it but that's very interesting to hear about and i'm not sure like i can't think of this show being used in any other examples at least at this moment can you think of any other examples of the trope? i mean it's pretty common in rom-coms i mean on the spot i'm going blank but i feel like if i had time to put together a thesis argument I could at least write five pages single yes, space yes. on this. And then Peter monologues about not needing to have all the answers now for why Lucy is special. And he's just going on and on about this. He's just like, hey, you know what? I just gotta... He's basically just like, I gotta appreciate Lucy, you know? I gotta appreciate what I have, you know? Hey, maybe I won't... Maybe I won't understand, you know, why I love her now. Maybe I won't understand a week from now. Maybe I won't understand a year from now. Who knows? But I just gotta... I gotta be grateful for what I have. And I love how that nurse comes in. There's a nurse who comes in. It's just, you know, always hearing him talking to himself. Because originally, Jack was just standing there. And then he walked away. So Peter thought he was talking to Jack. And then the nurse just comes and has to help Peter get into the elevator. And then there's a the moment where Lucy, she gets mad at Saul for not telling the truth to Peter. And Lucy is like, you're fired. And, and then Lucy ends up heading to the wrong floor. Because Peter got moved to a different floor. So she has the wrong floor. Well, Ashley goes up to the correct floor and confronts Peter. And right off the bat, when she is talking to Peter, she just seems like an asshole. And she doesn't even seem to care that he was in a coma. Yeah, they do. Ashley's just not a good person. Especially, remember, the first scene we have with this character is her being like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll marry you. Yeah. Why not? Like, she wasn't very excited about it when he proposed. Yeah, just like that. Um, yeah. So, no surprise that how she is. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, she's just, like, very, like, careless about that acceptance. And then it's just like, here, yeah, she's just, like, not really giving a crap about Peter. 
apparently he pays for the plastic surgery for her nose and her breasts. We don't know that. And, 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 and also, there's a roommate of his in the hospital room. I like his roommate, because his roommate is pretty charming. And then Lucy arrives, and Peter proposes to her, which makes Wanda, the nurse from the beginning of the movie, faint. Then we cut to Lucy trying on his wedding gown when Jack comes over. And he also runs into Joe Jr. and his date, Phyllis, along the way. And Jack gives Lucy a Florence-themed snow globe. I really love that little snow globe. Yeah, I've always enjoyed snow globes, too. I think they're probably one of the favorite parts of the holidays uh, are snow globes, especially the ones that make noise, so, like, sing a little tune for you. I just think they're very Christmas-esque, yes, yes. holiday-esque. And Lucy is like, you know, can you give me any reason why I shouldn't marry your brother? And Jack is just like, you know, I can't. And then Lucy gives Jerry an invitation to a wedding, and the boss is just like, whom are we marrying? And he's like, what, what happened with the other guy? Again, it's like, you know, he's getting more updates on her life. And the wedding then it arrives. And then Jack is kind of mean to Peter here, where Jack is like, you suck. And Peter's like, I suck, or the outfit sucks. And Jack says, it's a toss-up. Yeah, not really what you want to hear on your yeah. wedding day. <laughs> Probably like the last yeah, thing Jack you want to hear. Acting like that. Also, when, when, when Peter's like, I suck, or the outfit sucks. Again, he's still kind of like, he, he, he's acting kind of like out of it. I, again, I'm I'm very curious to know, like, is he is he always like this? Is he just kind of like an airhead, or kind of like does he like this, or is it because he came out of a coma, and he's still like befuddled over the fact that apparently he now has a fiance? You know, I'd love to know that because we never, you know, we never know that. Yeah, I never just clarify like his character beforehand. I mean, just, I mean, I like to think that lawyers aren't airheads. Yeah, but who knows? And then. Lucy is walking down the aisle. Saul looks a little dismayed, you know, as she passes by him. Jack looks very jealous. You've got, he just has the very envious look in his face. And then the, the priest talks for just a few seconds. He can't even talk any further before Lucy says, I object. And then Jack objects. And then the priest says to Peter, what about you? And Peter's like, I'm thinking. And Lucy's like, I'm in love with your son. And then I love the beat when the priest just closes the Bible and rolls his eyes. And there's confusion because the family members are like, oh yeah, of course you're, lo- you're in love with your son. And Lucy's like, no, not, not Peter, your other son. And then Elsie takes a fucking photo of this event. And I'm like, Elsie, do you really want to memorialize this? It's just, it's a whole fuss. It's, it's the perfect fuss of, of fun. I mean, sometimes just watching a train wreck, you know, or a car wreck, you just can't look away. And this scene is the ultimate rom-com train wreck. I mean, it's a little bit of Runaway Bride-esque. You know what? I haven't seen that yet. Runaway Bride, but I do want to watch it soon. Sometime in the future. It's a good one. It's another, It's another like, classic. classic. I did I did one. recently watch Pretty Woman, though, which I also saw as Julia Roberts and oh. Richard Gere. That's a good one. I enjoy Pretty Woman. Classic. And also, Frazier, I do feel like this specific scene does get closer to the Fraser level five. And Lucy is just confessing everything. Uh, also, Wanda is there. Wanda is a nurse is there. And Lucy is like, you know, I didn't tell the truth because I fell in love with you. You know, the whole Callahan family. And then she also apologizes for Peter's carpet. And Peter is just like, what about my carpet? He doesn't know about the stain yet. And then Ashley shows up, and then when she objects to the wedding, the priest says, get in line. 
And then somehow Ashley also has a husband who then shows up and he's like, and I object to your objection. And it's like, holy crap, so Ashley has a husband, but then she wanted to get married to Peter? What the hell? It's a wild time. And then Lucy just leaves as the whole family just sinks into this giant argument. Elsie takes yet another photo of the, of the whole thing. And then back home, Lucy is just taking down the ornaments. And, you know, the, the cat is there. And, okay, now wait. Is this Peter's cat? I think I was under the impression it was uh, Ashley's oh, cat. Oh. That or she stole Peter's cat. Because because the cat oh so from the cat from earlier on like when she found a cat is it Peter or Ashley's cat I always assumed it was Peter's cat but you you're saying you think it's Ashley's cat it could be Peter's cat yeah. I mean either way she stole a cat I guess one of those things and I guess like I, she she took it she took it home because no one's home like no one is at Peter's apartment to take care of the cat so I guess that'd be a re- a good reason why she take it home but also it's like okay but you gotta return the cat sometime you know Jen Joe Junior shows up to say he's sorry things didn't work out with Jack and. He, and he's like, and it gets a bit more cringy here when he's like, hey, you know, you gotta start exploring your feminine side and avoid overeating. And it's just like, come on, again, the dialogue trims us away from the scripts. And then he sobs because Phyllis broke up with him. And he's like, you know, do you have any cookies? And Lucy is like, we can try on some of my shoes. And it's odd because, you know, that's how we leave off the subplot. Like, that is the last time we ever see Joe Jr. How do you feel about this? About this ending to the whole Joe Jr. subplot? I would have liked more closure, but at the same time, it's refreshing not to have closure. Like, if they'd, like, sat down and been like, you're not too bad. You're not too bad. We're best friends now. It would have been weird. Um, But having just kind of, like, a light little... Here's an interaction between the two moment, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I guess, refreshing. Yeah, it's kind of interaction where, I guess, it leaves you all feeling like, okay, like, they're just going to keep knowing each other as long as Lucy stays in this private building. They'll just keep interacting, and he'll probably keep bugging her, which is not something I'm looking forward to. Like, I don't want him to keep bugging her. But I guess maybe compared to other, like, other men, maybe he's not the creepiest man in the half around, maybe. I don't know. Like, and I'm saying this as a man, maybe I'd feel differently if I, if I were a woman, but honestly, like, I've seen cringier men, or, like, creepier men in, in movies. And I feel like maybe he isn't, he isn't as bad as some of the men I've seen in other movies. No, I know what you're saying. I mean, we only have a certain lens that we can look through. I mean, he's a little, I would say confident, a little pushy yeah. with his advances, but also at the same time, I think the time period, I mean, 95 completely different culture um to that yeah that's very important very important like if i were to see a a rom-com come out now and it had a character like joe jr i would be like okay no i don't want to deal with this but for a 90s rom-com i think that's also why i'm a bit more accepting of it yeah i think i think that's you're spot on and then it is now last day for work for lucy apparently at the train station and she's in the, the token booth when Jack just drops an engagement ring into the little pocket, and she looks up. Jack is there, along with the rest of the Callahans, except for Peter. And, look, I, I get this as well, Tom, and, you know, it's kind of corny, but also, like, do you really have to bring the whole family along with you? Yeah, I mean, it's... I get the point of it. The point of it is that Lucy has fallen in love with the whole family, you know? I get the point, but still. 
No, I mean, I, you're, I think uh, you're you're right. Saying like she fell in love with the entire family, but at the same time, like think about this. This actually happened in real life. That was to tear apart a family. This would utterly destroy a family if someone was like, "Hey, your fiance that you thought you had, she's mine." Yeah, I just yeah. In real life, like honestly, I don't think the fa- the family would be able to forgive someone in Lucy's position. It would just be like it would be just so crushing and just like, why? Why did you do this? It's like mm-hmm. we can't look past this. And then. Lucy lets Jack enter her booth after he gives her a token and he proposes to her and they're like, yeah, you know, yay, I love you. And that's it. That's, that's the engagement. And then we transition to Lucy and Jack having just gotten married and they're at the back of the train and it's got the just married banner. And, and then Lucy has this voiceover at the end. She's like, Jack gave me the perfect gift, a stamp in my passport. He took me to Florence for our honeymoon. I guess you might say, he gave me the world. Peter once asked me when it was when I fell in love with Jack, and I told him it was while you were sleeping. And that's the movie. Classic 90s movie. That's the end. And, okay, don't, I do gotta say this. Do you feel like maybe the way it ends was like, oh, let's, let's jam the title of the movie into the dialogue. Do you find that to be maybe cringy? I think it was very popular in the 80s and 90s it's kind of stopped recently but it was for there for a while it's like oh i gotta be karate kid 3 rise of the cobra uh, it's just it, it's just the way it was for a bit i mean and i still think it's kind of corny and, and kind of can take you out of the movie uh but at the same time part of me just brings me back to my childhood and i really enjoy it yeah i mean it it, it depends i feel like i feel like here it's okay but still kind of cringy I know there's I know there is the movie Escape Room and then the movie as and then the sequel Escape Room Tournament of Champions. And I know that one of the characters in the movie does utter the line Tournament of Champions. It can't be as bad as Will Smith in Suicide oh. Squad where he's like, What are we? Some type of suicide squad? Like <gasps> I, I like there's some yeah. bad cases of it. But I think when it plays into itself it's pretty good. Yeah. Definitely, while you were sleeping, definitely not as bad as Dad's Suicide Squad title drop. But, yeah, that is while you were sleeping. Yay! Again, I still, you know, it's got its issues. Not, definitely not perfect, but you know what? In the, in the rom-com gallery, I think it's a pretty damn good choice. Yeah. Now, there also is some extra trivia I wanted to deliver. Ooh. Apparently, a then-unknown Matthew McConaughey had tested for the role of Jack. But they rejected him because of his Texas accent. That's like, oh wow, McConaughey. Man, that, that. I don't know. I, I like I like I like Bill Pullman in this role. I think he plays it well. I think McConaughey. It would have been like okay, yeah, it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like we like oh yeah, I see why she fell for for, <laughs> yes. for Matthew McConaughey. Also, also John Tedeltop had direct, had rejected offers to cast uh, Russell Crowe in the same role, which honestly I don't see Russell Crowe playing Jack. No, I could see him playing Peter. Peter, you know what, Peter, I can see that as well, actually. Yeah, but but yeah. not the Jack character. Also, Chris Brosnan and Dennis Quaid have been considered for the role of Jack. Again, you know, the, the, you know, I like to see them both in movies, but I, I don't see them as being Jack, first personally. And then Nicole Kidman had auditioned to play Lucy, 
and then Demi Moore, the role of Lucy had actually been written for Demi Moore, but they weren't able to work on to work on a contract that both parties could agree on, and it ended up just heading nowhere. That Demi Moore wasn't able to accept the role, which is also interesting. Like, but I don't know. Again, I don't think she would have been. I I, I don't really see her as Lucy yet. Maybe Nicole Kidman, but honestly, I don't know. Again, Sandra Bullock. I feel like Sandra Bullock is the perfect casting choice. Also, it says that she took the role. She she was able to relate to the role, having just broken up from a four year relationship. That was kind of like the emotional Oof. element she brought to Lucy. Yeah, four years. Oof. Yeah, again, Lucy as you know, played by Sandra Bullock and Jack played by Bill Pullman. I think that was you know good casting there. Yeah, do you have any more thoughts to offer on the movie? I think my final thoughts are just kind of a reverb of or regurgitation of what I said before we started. Uh, excellent 90s rom-com that if you don't think too hard about, you're really going to enjoy. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I kind of enjoy sort of the campiness to it that it has. I enjoy some of the bad dialogue because that's just a 90s rom-com yes, for you. Yes, definitely. I just really enjoyed it as well. And also, I do want to comment that I also read a queer Christmas rom-com novel Kiss Her Once For Me by Addison Cochran. And that book is, is based very heavily off of While You Were Sleeping. It even has mm. like the, the characters na- named after, named in honor of the characters. Like you've got the two leads of the book, Ellie and Jack, who are named in honor of Lucy and Jack, because again, Lucy's middle name is Eleanor in the movie. So Ellie, Eleanor. That's so cool. Yeah, so it was really fun also to read that book. I actually had a good, pretty good time with that book as well because of the while you're sleeping vibes. Although it does involve a lot of misunderstanding craft and kind of like, and lies. It definitely involves lies, deception in the book, which it's very interesting. I do feel like the book is able to work its way through some of that deception and misunderstanding in a way that makes it readable. But kind of like the movie, it's kind of like, eh. Kind of cringy at certain portions, you know? But overall, I enjoy both. While you were sleeping and Kiss Her Once For Me. Kind of look into that. Yeah, I I recommend it, yeah. It's a good Christmas rom-com novel. Alright, well, those are our thoughts. Our deep, deep thoughts on While You Were Sleeping. Yay! And now we can segue onwards to Good Words. Now this is the segment where each of us gets to recommend something. A book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, a music, etc. Anything you want. So, Ryan, what is your good word? Uh, so my good word, um, it's not going to be my own podcast. I'm going to do something else because I want to branch out and tell people something they may actually enjoy. Um, I highly recommend Wednesday on Netflix. Um, it's really good. If you enjoy Riverdale, if you enjoy murder mysteries, if you enjoy crime horror, if you enjoy Supernatural, um, it kind of somehow mixes all those four things together and gives this beautiful semi well it's dark it's 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 dark enough show that really kind of just it's fun to watch uh it's uh who's the the actress uh, Jenna, Jenna, Jenna Ortega yeah she does a fantastic yeah. job as Wednesday she really makes the character her own and moves into the overall premise of the history behind the Adams family I love just the all, all the characters you just fall in love with. I think it's really enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to what they have for the future of it. So if you haven't watched it already, I think it's like breaking breaking streaming records oh, on yeah. Netflix. I'm sure. I'm not even sure who hasn't watched it at this point. I, I probably should be recommend, recommending it because everyone's watching it. 
Uh, but if you haven't, go ahead and do it. it. Has my seal of approval. Good, good, yeah. Even, and even in my uh, in in just in the house of cinema Discord server, it's just from Discord servers. I mean, I do talk about it in the server, and a couple of the other members have seen it. A few other members, but some of the other members haven't seen it yet. So I'm like, hey, you know, you gotta watch it. It's, you know, it's quite good. You know, not perfect. I do think it maybe has like some yes. little gripes, maybe about like the maybe the pacing. With an episode, or maybe like a large triangle mm-hmm. trope, but overall, I you know I really enjoyed it. Now you know I'm looking forward to season two, which it hasn't been officially greenlit at this point, but there is I think like the writers' room apparently from what I've heard is like scheduled to come back together to write season two. I'm pumped forward to it. Also, shout out to Gwendolyn Christie, who is also part of the cast. And I love her on that as well. Also funny that she's in two different Netflix shows this year. Wednesday and The Sandman. Which, The Sandman, also fantastic. So, Alright, so that's your good words for Wednesday on Netflix. My good word mm-hmm. is going to be for yet another Netflix selection. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This, it's one of, the, one of the best movies I've seen this year. The way that it takes the, the story of Pinocchio and is able to flesh it out and add some dark layers to it that I know it get it gets surprisingly dark and just heartbreaking, devastating. It involves plenty of anti war sentiments. It takes place during the era of Mussolini's regime. It's very much like war is bad, fascism is bad. And it all of these layers have woven into the classic story of Pinocchio in a way that just feels so natural and so beautiful. And you can just really feel Guillermo del Toro just putting his heart into this movie. And just adding his own flair to it, both with the story and with the visuals. I just, uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And I, uh, I do think this could end up being in the running. I mean, definitely for like, you know, best animated picture at the Oscars. It'll be nominated. Who knows? It could even win. Like, my, my pick for the winner was formerly Turning Red from Pixar. But now I'm thinking, who knows? I, I mean... I, I love Turning yeah, Red. Turn, turning Red is great. But but now I'm like, oof. And it could, I think Pinocchio, I think Pinocchio will be, end up being the winner here. Like, it, it'll be one of the rare occasions where Pixar ends up being toppled off of their top spots, you know, for winning the Best Animated Picture Oscar. Yeah, I'll, it's really, I'll watch it then. Yep, it's on Netflix. It's really great. Even like the voice cast. The voice cast, you know, it's got some celebrity voices, but it doesn't feel like the movie picks on just because of celebrities. It's like, oh, it feels like, you know, they're picked for these roles because they mesh, they truly mesh with the characters. They, can, they bring something with their voices. Even like uh, David Bradley, who I know as Argus Filch from the Harry Potter series, he plays Geppetto. And I thought he was a great Geppetto. Ewan McGregor plays Sebastian J. Cricket, or, you know, Jiminy Cricket, but he's actually called Sebastian J. Cricket here. Uh, Ewan McGregor is great as a character. Even as Kate Blanchett, I, and this is a fact that's surprising a lot of people, but Kate Blanchett plays a monkey in this. Sebastian Chira. <gasps> it's a pretty amusing fact, but and, 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 and it's shocking a lot of people, but yes, Sebastian Chira. And in, in general, Yamato Toro, and I'll, I'll also just generally recommend diving into more of his filmography. I want to personally, you know, I've seen, I want, I've only seen this and The Shave of Water, but I want to watch other movies. Have you seen his movies? I, I watched Shape of Water 
when did that come out? I forget it's been like Shape of Water came out. Years, I remember watching Shape like of 20, Water 2018, 2019, stuff like that. Yeah, and I just and I know he's the the master of monsters and i really need yeah. to watch more of his films um but i'm with you i i've really made what i've watched that i can say with confidence i know for a fact that he was a part of a shape of water loved it i was kind of confused by it the first time i watched it, then i watched it the second time and really recognized it as a beautiful love story um man it's such a good movie i need to rewatch the movie it's a good movie i was kind of diving in more of cdc's work just that's pinocchio on netflix guillermo del toro's pinocchio I recommend watching that. There's even a, a feature ad. There's like a behind the scenes feature ad for the movie on Netflix that I can also watch. And I think it's like a half hour feature ad. Give you a peek at all of the behind the scenes details. Mm. And I also recommend watching that as well. All right. So those are our good words. And now we get to promote uh, our socials, promote our podcasts. And for you, Ryan, you get to do that for your own stuff. Well, of course, if you love my opinions here and love the sound of my beautiful voice, uh, and you maybe want to also hear my co-host, Josh Reinhardt, uh, come on over to Millennial Coffee Break. We're on Spotify, Apple, Podchasers, and really anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We can follow us on Twitter at M underscore C underscore break. Um, we're also on Instagram, but not as active on Instagram. We really need to get better about that. We're mainly a Twitter uh, podcast that we're kind of building from there slowly. We go over, basically, um, we're changing our format a little bit. We have um, well, we're a variety talk show is more what we've become with a review for movies here and there in between. We recently did one on the World Cup. We did our Christmas special earlier on this month. We're doing our year in review because we're coming to the end of our first calendar year um, as a podcast because we're still pretty young. Um, and that's really what we have in the, in the canon right now. All right, that's good, that's good. And as for my socials, you can find this podcast, Two Sense Critic, on Twitter and Instagram at two underscore sense critic. You can follow my personal accounts on Twitter, Good Pods, StoryGraph, and Letterboxd at author underscore and 18. You can find me on Goodreads at Arthur Howell. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email two sense critic at yahoo.com. You can also Check out my blog at twocentscritic.com. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, Good Pods, Podcast Addict, all of those services, so many of them. And, and it really, and really helps too, you know, whether you, you rate, you know, you review. It, it really is helpful to start just, you know, bumping up the podcast, stuff besides the algorithm. Mysterious algorithm. I'm very mysterious, that's for sure. And Ryan, thank you so so much for coming on here to talk about while you were sleeping. This was such a blast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always great to be on. I'm glad I could come back. Uh, next time I'll have to make sure Josh can come as well, but unfortunately he has Christmas parties to attend in El Paso right now, so it just didn't work yeah. out for him tonight. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. It's December, so you know, People are getting busier this month, especially, you know, getting closer to Christmas time oh, yeah. and, you know, and, and holidays, like, you know, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all of the holidays for this month. But I'm glad to have you on. Thank you so much. Woo! And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong.